the most anti-Indigenous premier in Canada, floats the idea of fracking. But is there anything to what Blaine Higgs is saying, or is it just gas fumes? I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 223, made possible with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. Not only is he a conservative, he's a right-wing conservative who started out with the Confederation of Regions Party beating up on Francophones in New Brunswick. As Premier, he turned on First Nations, withdrawing tax arrangements that have been in place for years, stating falsely that the Willistiquay land claim put ordinary homeowners at risk of losing their property. Not true. Even ordering provincial staff to delete the word unseated from land acknowledgements. Good grief. For 30 years, Blaine Higgs worked for the Irving Oil Company. Perhaps it's nostalgia that got him talking a few weeks ago about fracking in New Brunswick. If he goes down that road, he'll once again be up against First Nations and other land defenders whose opposition to fracking led to a moratorium by a previous government. Our guest this week was someone who was at the center of the successful fight against fracking a decade ago. Jim Emberger is spokesperson for the Interbunswick Anti-Shiel Gas Alliance. I asked him what he thought when he heard Premier Higgs using the F word. Well, I guess I had a, a dual reaction. One was the complete uh, sort of amazement that the subject would be being brought up again uh, in this time of, uh, of, of climate emergency and uh, the undoubted necessity of getting off fossil fuels was one. And the second was how it was probably just pretty cynical that it was the uh, a last gasp attempt of uh, the oil and gas industry to capitalize on the misfortunes of, you know, the uh, war in, in, in Ukraine and the Europeans uh, and, you know, and trying to couch this new uh, move for fossil fuel development in terms of uh, it being you know, like a good thing that you know, like a moral good thing to do for our friends yes. when in fact it's, it's not even useful to them. He, uh, his remarks were kind of tied in with uh, developments across the border there in Nova Scotia, where uh, a, an idled uh, LNG facility uh, in, um, in Nova Scotia, there's, there's talk that that might um, be back on the, uh, back in, in action because of recent developments uh, in Europe. So the premier seemed to be tying in um, fracking with uh, having the uh, the gas liquefied across the border in Nova Scotia. So uh, it seemed to be some uh, strategic thinking on the part of the premier. Yeah, well, the uh, I mean, having fracking in New Brunswick would really pretty much make no sense if it did not have a, you know, the LNG market in the uh, Maritimes, you know, to, and somebody to sell the gas to here. Um, so there are a couple things about that. The uh, project in uh, Nova Scotia at uh, Gold, I'm assuming you're referring to the one at Goldboro, Nova yes. Scotia, um, 
is being run by a, a company called Pure Day. And uh, for, they've been trying to get this thing off the ground for over eight years. And for the last three or four years, um, my organization, New Brunswick Anti-Shale Gas Alliance, and also uh, allies in Nova Scotia, the uh, Ecology Action Center, have been involved in trying to, uh, you know, stymie the uh, the uh, that project going forward, because uh, it was really a uh, a uh, took a high amount of imagination to to think that this thing project could be a success. They were going to bring gas from Alberta, and they had to build pipelines across Quebec and in the United States, and the, and there were so many. So many uh, blockades to it happening, that, but uh, they kept going forward. And then in the last year, we exposed the fact that they were, uh, uh, had asked for a billion dollars, basically, from the federal government in order to get started because they couldn't raise the necessary uh, private investment even after all these years. Mm. So anyway, to make a long story short with that is that last year, uh, after we exposed it, the government said, no, they're not giving them any money. And they uh, and they said, okay, we're dropping the project. However, they dropped the original product project, but then they then they moved to saying, well, we're going to do a a smaller one that will be uh, a floating LNG project. And now with this European thing, now they're back to saying, well, maybe we'll do the original project. But as part of all this, uh, they've had to go through all the approval processes provincially and federally, uh, obviously. And we filed lawsuit last year uh, uh, against the government of Nova Scotia for the inadequacy of their um, uh, environmental assessment uh, uh, of the uh, impact of, of this, particularly on climate change stuff, but also some other things that they had passed by involving uh, toxic uh, waste from old gold mines that used to exist on the site, et cetera. But anyway, that issue is now in court. So, uh, so that, so that's a, an additional roadblock to, to that project going forward. Um, and then secondly, the premier mentioned Repsol, uh, and their counterport, uh, facility in new, in St. John, New Brunswick, which currently is a, uh, import terminal, but they want to convert it to an export terminal. Now we have tried through freedom of information, uh, request to get as much information about this as we can. We're sort of being stonewalled a little bit by uh, the Department of Natural Resources in New Brunswick uh, has, has held up releasing their reply to our request for many weeks now. So that's also in progress. So anyway, the point being that um, uh, so far, everything that the Premier is talking about with LNG in the Atlantic provinces is pure speculation. Mm. I mean, uh, there are no definite plans and, and the reality of the situation is, of course, that Europe needs the gas now. I mean, they're already on record of saying that we only need it for a couple of years because our plan, which they've been doing for many years, is to get off of fossil fuels yes. in the very near future. So, uh, so the idea of taking four or five years to get a Canadian uh, LNG project on the East Coast ready to take gas over there is uh, you know, a little bit on the absurd side. Yes. So. We have to take it seriously because they're talking about it, but I see no way forward for any of these projects, really. Let's uh, recall the the history of uh, of fracking in New Brunswick and the opposition to it. Uh, people re will remember those um, 
those uh, the line resistance, uh, I guess, close to a decade ago now in um, in particularly in Roxton, uh, close to the uh, El Spark Dog uh, uh, Reserve, Mi'kmaq community. And there's been a um, uh, a report on the policing of those uh, protests and uh, the denial of uh, of uh, people's constitutional rights. Um, you know the uh, unequal policing of Indigenous people uh, compared to to others. So, a real uh, I think New Brunswick, perhaps of of any province in Canada, has had the most um, uh, the most uh, uh, resistance to uh, to fracking, and um, and of course we've uh, there's been a moratorium for for all this time. So after all that, uh, has public opinion in New Brunswick uh, changed? Uh, do you think uh, following uh, that time, uh, perhaps because of um, you know of the situation in Europe or people uh, wanting the jobs or any other reason to make you think that views have changed? Well, yeah, it's, it, it's hard to tell. I don't have any research on, you know, public opinion right at the moment. Um, but if, if people have forgotten, as you, as you note, it's been almost a decade since this whole thing started. Uh, if they have forgotten, you know, what's wrong with uh, fracking and why we got rid of it in the first place, uh, it's easy enough to remind them of it. And I don't think there will be, I don't think there is now, but I don't even think there will be a, uh, a resurgence in support for the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the 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 since the since that first moratorium, there have been thousands, literally thousands, of new studies uh, on on fracking and and shale gas. Uh, there's this one document uh, called the the compendium, which uh, collects every scientific paper, investigative journalism, uh, or government study done and puts it all in one place and analyzes it. And so since the moratorium, virtually everything, including everything that was on that list for our moratorium about what you need to have to lift the moratorium, including social acceptance, you know, has gotten worse everywhere. I mean, um, the, what we know about climate change now shows that the moratorium was the best climate change plan we've ever had because the amount of uh, methane leaking from that is, is one of the primary drivers of climate change now. So, yes. well, uh, let me ask you about that, because one of the things the premier said is that, um, you know, uh, natural gas burns uh, cleaner than, uh, than oil. Um, but uh, I guess what he's, uh, what he's not doing is he's, he's not adding up all the, the consequences. So it, um, the total environmental consequences. Sure. So in that, the process of drilling far down into the Earth's uh, interior and breaking across all these layers to capture the uh, the gas, uh, the methane is is produced in that in that process, and it has to be added into the uh, the total environmental cost. Yeah, well, there there are two things about fracking and LNG, and is that methane, which is uh, eighty sometimes more powerful as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. Uh, and methane is essentially natural gas, um, uh, leaks along the entire supply chain from the place that they drill it up through piping it, through uh, pressure stations, through transportation, through the end use in your stove, leaks methane, okay? So if if you include the the amount of methane leakage, which has been calculated to be that if uh, 
any more than about 3% of methane leaks into the atmosphere, uh, the, the amount of warming that that causes makes it as bad as coal. Mm-hmm. Well, recent studies in, in, in the last couple of years, and they get better all the time using satellites and overflights of uh, planes and all like that, shows that the leakage of methane is way above 3%. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's a huge amount. So many scientists say that the easiest and best target to go for to stop the global warming it, is the methane because it's so much more powerful, even though it only lasts about 20 years or so at that that 80%, I mean, 80 times more power. So uh, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is, is that we have to burn a lot of uh, carbon as fossil fuels to do fracking. Mm-hmm. You know, those drills and pumps and everything don't don't run on, on air. You mm-hmm. know, they're all burning fossil fuels. And liquid natural gas uh, plants, like the ones they were talking about bringing up, are, are huge emitters because they have to cool the gas down to something like minus 260 degrees uh, uh, Celsius. And to do that, they need these, you know, great uh, refrigerants and compressors, et cetera, to uh, to lower that temperature, burning a lot more fossil fuel. They're not so using that, solar to do that, uh, presumably. Well, if if they could if they could switch that part of it all to working on clean energy, which they don't do anywhere, but if they could, that would certainly get rid of part of mm. it. Still wouldn't do anything about the methane leaks, but if they could do it using clean energy, which is one of the buzzwords that they throw out, you know, the, the premier and other people, um, uh, that, that would do some of it. But uh, the, the short of it is, is that if we started either a fracking industry or an LNG export industry in New Brunswick, we would have no chance of ever reaching our climate goals mm-hmm. in terms of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. We would be like, like British Columbia, their shale gas uh, th- uh, uh, industry is the sole reason that they will never reach their their mm-hmm. greenhouse gas. Tank. I mean, you know, and no matter what else they do, mm-hmm. you know, they're just it just overwhelms it. You know? Yes. Now, uh, when the premier was uh, was musing, um, he said that um, he remembered uh, history and said, um, you know, fracking is a complex issues. And he doesn't want to revive the protests from 2013, as, as he said. And he, he would work with communities and First Nations, which would be unusual for that uh, premier. But uh, uh, leaving that aside, um, he seems to recognize that uh, he wouldn't be able to just uh, force this through without uh, getting uh, getting. Uh, uh, buy-in from the various communities, First Nations and otherwise. So uh, I guess on that basis, uh, the likelihood of it happening would uh, would not be very good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I have seen no indication that uh, the First Nations people who I am in contact with uh, have changed their views at all on this. Um, and the uh, and And of course, getting back to information like if we really are going to discuss this and the information comes out it's not only like i said that that it that the moratorium was the best climate change program the government's ever done it's also the best public health decision they've ever made i mean one of the things that came out of the the latest review of all the studies is the increasing number and seriousness 
of the diseases and conditions that are associated with the uh, with fracking and the chemicals that are used in fracking. Uh, it could just keeps going up and up, uh, particularly for uh, prenatal concerns and infants and children uh, and old people, uh, premature deaths who live around fracking areas and the and the proximity of homes to uh, to these installations is also increased. I mean, I think New Brunswick's uh, regulations say there are 500 meters between a well and a house. Well, now the minimum recommendation, the minimum recommendation is is a uh, half mile based on medical studies, and many of them saying three and four miles and beyond is probably not out of the question. So, you know, when people start hearing that. You know, it's it's not likely to say that. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring that. I want to live next door to you know to this thing that's going to kill my 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 uh, my family and my uh, animals and whatever else. Hmm. I guess the exception uh, is. Uh, I guess the exception is uh, is Sussex. The um, there was fracking uh, down. I guess Sussex would be in south central New Brunswick, um, roughly speaking, and. Um, uh, down there, there has been fracking in the past before the moratorium, and uh, from time to time, you hear uh, a mayor or, or someone down in that area speak positively of, of fracking. That seems to be ex the exception in in the province, right? Well, and there, and and that you know, that's my view about that is always it may or may not be true. We certainly have groups within our organization who are from the Sussex area who are against fracking. And there are people on the city council in, in Sussex who are against fracking, but there is a vocal group that is pro-fracking down there. They seem impervious to anybody bringing them new knowledge about the, you know, how, how bad it is. You know, they're looking only at, well, they think it's a way to get jobs. It's mm. a desperation to get jobs. And that's as far as the conversation goes, you know. Um, but uh, we think even they, can't deny the reality of it. And the second thing is, is that Sussex is only, you know, as you mentioned, they had fracking down there before. Now it wasn't shale gas. You know, they were into what they call tight gas, which is a slightly different, it's still fracking, but it's not as uh, deep or as severe. But anyway, uh, and you know, there were, you know, maybe 2000 wells or so. Um, the kind of fracking they would need to do an in industry here would be in places like Kent County and uh, and places they're looking like in the Hillsborough area, et cetera, there where people are vehemently against it. You mm -hmm. know, so I don't know how you carve out social acceptance in one little pocket and say, you know, well, we can do it there because the people who live here want it, you know, because the effects of a shale gas industry go well beyond the borders of Sussex mm -hmm. you know, in terms of pollution, in terms of greenhouse gas. You know, which is a global concern, yes. uh, you know, in, 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 in trucking, uh, you know, roads and transportation. I mean, it goes way beyond the Sussex area. So mm. I think that's it's never really come to a real discussion of it, fortunately, because we had the moratorium, you know, but I think that they haven't really looked at it very much in depth. If they think that they can just say, oh, well, because we elected a conservative down here, that means all the people in Sussex want to have fracking. Mm. It doesn't work that way. Yes. Well, Jim, uh, thanks for filling us in. And, um, you know, obviously uh, um, this will be a, of interest uh, elsewhere outside of Nebraska because, uh, you know, that would, um, you know, perhaps be a precedent for elsewhere. So uh, people are keeping keeping uh, tabs on the conversation there. And um, so thanks for bringing us up to date. 
Well, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, leave anybody with one point is that how you sort of started out, you know, is that uh, the whole idea of any new fossil fuel development goes directly contrary to everything that the International Panel on Climate Change and also global institutions like the International Energy Agency, which is kind of a, a in, an industry-related uh, entity. I mean, every one of them says, we can't have any new ones. I mean, it's really clear, period. No new fossil fuel projects. So uh, I think everything else that the, that the, uh, the Premier is saying right now is really blowing smoke and I think we'll be, would have a hard time becoming a reality. Next and we year. always stand ready. We were in court back in 2014 before they did the moratorium. We had brought suit against New Brunswick, and we're stand ready to do that again as well if uh, if they should try to bring it back. Yes. Net zero by 2050, Premier. So uh, remember that. <laughs> Jim Emberger of the New Brunswick Anti-Shield Gas Alliance. that's it for the program. Thanks for listening. Mi'kma Matters is now available on Acast. If you could leave a review on whatever platform you get us, we'd really appreciate it. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kma Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm Sitnokamah.